this episode is coming out between Christmas and New Year's. So a lot of our listeners are going to be listening to this while drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Late at night in front of the fire, perhaps, or going to the gym or something. And they just want to work off that Christmas ham or whatever it is they ate. Chestnuts over an open fire. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, healthcare systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information and have fun along the way. And now, here are your hosts, Reed Smith and Chris Boyer. Welcome to episode 99 Touchpoint. We are here at the end of 2018, like the very end, the tail end of 2018. It's not the exact end unless you're listening to this on New Year's Eve, which if you are, maybe you you need to get a life. But um, it's very close to the end of of the year of 2018. That's right. That is Chris Boyer. I'm Reed Smith. Thank you for all the support this year. We are at episode 99, which is uh, it's exciting for us because that means the next one's 100. 100 is going to be a special show. We're going to kind of do the best of of uh, 2018 uh, as voted on by our listeners. So if you follow us online, be sure to check out vote, if you will, please. We would certainly appreciate it. We'll have links Twitter, LinkedIn, all that kind of good stuff. We'd love to uh, make sure uh, your input is counted. Make sure to get your vote in early enough so that we can actually uh, get it into the next show. If not, I'll just make it up. So, <laughs> and you're not going to know if you know, what we tallied <laughs> exactly. or not. Shh, don't um, give away the secrets. Shh. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but but here we are, episode 99. Uh, mm-hmm. We could not have gotten here without our sponsors. So very quickly, do want to give a shout out to Loyal. So data, no doubt, you're buried in it from physicians and insurance to locations and services. What if you could climb above it all, manage the connections, see the limitless possibilities? Well, meet Connect. Connect is Loyal's intelligent data management platform that's designed to strengthen your system's consumer-facing data while making it simpler and easier to use. So whether it's Connect or any of the other products, we would recommend and uh, certainly appreciate if you did visit them online at LoyalHealth.com and not only LoyalHealth.com, but LoyalHealth.com slash demo to set up a personal time for you to check out what it is they have to offer and uh, let them know we sent you there. Uh, Okay, here we are. The best of the Touchpoint Network. So as many of you know that have been around a while, Chris and I started this podcast in February of 2017. Uh, We've done it faithfully every week, which now brings us to episode 99. But somewhere along the way, more specifically this past summer, we started launching other shows and Touchpoint became more than just a podcast. It actually became a network of shows. And so we thought, you know what, we've told you guys about them. Some of you obviously listen to some of these other shows, but there are a couple of episodes of the shows and those that are hosted by others on our network that we found uh, pretty cool and and exciting and thought, you know what, this would be a good opportunity to just, you know, maybe pull in a couple of minute uh, snippet from some of these shows and tell you a little bit about them and give you a little bit, little taste of what you could find over there. 
That's right, Reed. I think in the previous episode, you called this a sampler platter of all of the Touchpoint shows that are out there. Well, I don't know about you around the holiday season. It's always great to pull out the sampler platter when you're at a function or a party or something like that, just to get a little taste of everything. You get a little bit of the cookies, a little bit of the Yule nut log, you know, a little bit of the uh, eggnog, you know, all that stuff. This is the same kind of thing, but for our shows. Or if you're at Chili's. So it's also good. <laughs> I recommend the sampler platter. You know what? Let's, let's jump in. We, we have a number of shows and we'd like to kind of uh, rattle through these and kind of give you a little taste of some of the things that we thought were really cool. And so the first one, a really great show, which is called The Connected Hospital, hosted by our good friend, hospital CIO, John Mason. So John has a lot of experience uh, at the national level, at the regional level and rural hospital level. And so he's got a lot of great uh, experience personally. And he brings on other folks that, you know, have a lot of, uh, I guess, insights into the way hospitals from a health IT perspective are dealing with different trends and different opportunities and things like that. And so it does cover topical news and trends about health IT, new technologies in the industry, and challenges that are faced in today's fast-paced hospital and healthcare environment. It's not only good for people that are in health IT or interested in health IT. I myself actually listen to this show a lot, Reed, because quite frankly, some of the topics that he talks about are really relevant to healthcare marketers. And they're relevant, I would assume, also to you know organizations that are working with hosp- within hospitals on IT or digitally related things. He's always very relevant. And the way he interviews, it's very easy to understand. Like we've talked about, there's a blurring of the lines, right? So, you know, health IT is not just for the IT department anymore. Uh, So without further ado, we do want to, the episode specifically that I want to call out is uh, episode number five of the Connected Hospital, The Dirty Truth About Interoperability. And so we've talked about interoperability on Touchpoint here for a while. The interview subject was Zach Jiwa, who lives here in Austin, where I do. And in the clip we want to play for you specifically is the two of them talking about why interoperability is still a problem. Why is this not getting solved? His shows run roughly in the 30-minute uh, time frame. We're going to play just a few minutes now. You mentioned something as as you kind of got started there that your focus isn't necessarily just integrating with a hospital CIO, but you're working with the vendors to help them uh, integrate. But but let's back up just a little bit. Why, why is the, you, you just kind of hit on it? Why is that still a problem today? I mean, what what is it that has kept us as an industry from solving this problem? Do you think? That's such a good question, and I I feel like it's it's layered and steeped with you know politics and vendors and you know all all sorts of of different explanations. Um, I think at the core there there are a lot of people making money um, by not integrating. If if we take the uh, this will be inflammatory, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but let's get into it. Let's. Uh, <laughs> I, I, listen, in practical sense, if you're if you're a um, a good entrepreneur or entrepreneurial company, and your business is building an EHR system or you know some clinical data system, um, it does not serve you to be open. Um, 
the the thing that you are uh, that you are building your fortress on is the you know the value of your EHR or your you know data warehouse or whatever it happens to to be your your practice management system. You don't want data to move in and out of that freely because that creates you know that creates room for disruption, room to replace you. Um, and, and, you know, we've seen that a lot over the years. So with the lens of the vendor, why would you want to make it easy for someone to traverse the data and get it out of there? But isn't, isn't that interesting? I mean, think, think about what you just said, which is you're right. I, I totally agree. But um, think if automotive manufacturers had their own blend of fuel. Right. And, and so if you bought a, an Audi, you had to go to an Audi gas station versus a, a regular. I, I think somehow you're right. There, there's some vested interest to to stay closed. But yet the data inside of that, um, there's nothing proprietary about that piece of it. So you should be building yourself around your ease of use and your functionality data data agnostic but it seems like it just seems like that's still not there right well i so i love your analogy uh, sometimes i hate the the automobile analogy but in this case i really like the and in fact i've never heard it put like you know like that gasoline type of gasoline um i've heard other analogies around the automotive industry um here's what i think let's look to the future and i think what we may be seeing in electric cars is exactly the same problem that we have with with what I just described in the vendor space. Um, does the Tesla charger? Yeah. Does the Tesla charger charge the Chevrolet? Does it charge the that Audi electric car, the Mercedes, or whatever? I don't know. I don't have the answer. I don't spend a lot of time on that. But that's the better analogy to what we've seen versus versus fuel versus gasoline as fuel. Now, here's where it, it gets more complex. Right. It's not just about the EHR vendor. It's about, okay, let's go to HCA, your old hospital. Let's go to any hospital physician practice. Um, you know, in public, I'm sure HCA says, ah, oh, we want to enable data. I'm sure Seton says that. I'm sure that, you know, all the big hospitals say that. And that may be true in some circumstances. They certainly want to share that. Hey, have you ever thought about it, John? These guys, these hospital systems, physician practices don't have a problem if we define interoperability as a financial transaction. All right. Well, we started off with a good clip from The Connected Hospital with John, and now we're turning to the second show that we want to feature today, which is actually run by one of the partners in the Touchpoint Media Network, and that's our good friend, Bobby Ritu. The podcast we're talking about is the Intersection Podcast. And for those of you who haven't heard this before, what's great about this podcast is that it's 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 all about storytelling. It's not necessarily about healthcare per se, although he does have a lot of stories within healthcare, but it's also about public policy, social justice, and even sports. Bobby Ritu spent his whole career interviewing with some of the most interesting people in the world, and he's taking those skills to bear here. He created the show called The Intersection Podcast, which really highlights the intersections people have together all with inside this one show. He does a show, I think it's about an hour long, comes out every week. Bobby's a great guy. And I think, you know, if you if you know and you listen to the show and you hear a little bit of his background, I mean, he was carrying a camera around on his shoulder early in the career. So, I mean, he's told stories for a long time. Videography, photography is kind of his sweet spot. You know, he was in a helicopter over Katrina 
And more specifically, when he was out in Arizona early in his career, um, dealt with a lot of immigration and border issues, which I think kind of sets up the clip that you're going to talk about. That's right. Recently, Bobby started uh, a mini series within the Intersection podcast around the border and immigration policies. And this episode, episode 22, called Beyond Borders, when he visited McAllen, Texas, in January of 2017, he did it on a trip that was on behalf of a program that he's with, the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. It really was to um, really examine and understand one of the largest cultural passages from Latin America into the United States. And that's where he met a really fascinating guy named Javier Perez, who's the director of the National Missions and Humanitarian Aid for Buckner Ministries. Now, what's cool about this interview is not only does Javier know a lot about the different populations that are coming in to Southern Texas, but he himself is a child of immigrants. He tells a little bit of that in this clip that we're going to share right now. But one of the things I think that people have a misconception of is when we say the border, they assume the border wall. That's right. Right. But the border is a bigger institution than just a wall. Would you agree with that? And I know you've had, you know, I've had these discussions. It's a big institution. It's massive from all perspectives. It is. It is. I mean, I don't even think I, after living here for seven years, um, I even have a full understanding of what the word border means because it's both a geography as much as it is a political idea. And so the border is a geography in that it spans three states um, in the country. It's comprised of a desert. Uh, it's comprised of, um, of urban centers, um, of uh, oceans, rivers. And so it's, it's this massive, uncontainable, and unsurmountable geography uh, that you think of it, if you think of it as a border wall, uh, you're missing 99.9% of what the border is, geographically speaking. Um, and so, but what the border also is, is a political idea. And more and more, it has political connotations uh, to it on who's in and who's out, uh, who's worth it and who's not, whose life is valued at a higher price than who's whose life is valued at a lower price. And so um, I think it's worth exploring both the geographic as well as the political dimensions of what the border means these days. Hey, we want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, and that's our good friends at Binary Fountain. You know, as a healthcare marketer, it's probably pretty obvious these days how much time you're spending uh, on reviews, ratings relative to hospitals, physicians, all that kind of good stuff. You know, too many of those are going unanswered and they're certainly not being analyzed. This could be costing us new and current customers. It could be impacting our patient experience scores and potentially impacting our revenue. Luckily, our good friends at Binary Fountain have an online reputation management platform called Binary Health Analytics. If you'd like to learn more or even schedule a demo, visit them online at binaryfountain.com. That's binaryfountain.com. All right, now for clip three, The Exam Room, which is a show hosted by Dr. Brian Vardabedian. Uh, Brian is a uh, pediatric GI physician down at Texas Children's in Houston, Texas. 
he is uh, obviously a prolific uh, blogger and people that have been, uh, I guess, in this space for a while uh, probably know him, know his Twitter handle, Dr. V, uh, maybe even follow his blog, 33 Charts. His podcast is not much different. Very much kind of that intersection of medicine, technology, culture. The exam room, as he puts it, puts a lens on the forces reshaping medicine. Uh, one of the core threads running through the podcast program is the idea of uh, technology and how that's mediating change and the effect on the work of healthcare professionals. You and I know Dr. V for a very long time. He's been kind of involved in social media network forever. Since the first day I heard him, he knows his stuff, but he also is a very compelling communicator about his position, his his point of view. And he really makes a compelling story and, and shows me as a physician the right side of the way doctors can show up with technology can look at the way the world is changing and really embrace it rather than, you know, be afraid of it or run from it. Every time I hear his show, man, I learn so much from that point of view that I then take into what I do so that the next time I talk to doctors, I kind of understand where they're coming from. He's had some really great guests on. I would encourage you, obviously, to listen to the entire catalog, but specifically the episode we're going to play a clip from the third episode of the exam room, and it is called Empathy. The Power of Kindness with Dr. Brian Goldman. So th this is fascinating. He talked to this particular physician who's uh, an ER physician up in Canada, and they talk about the power of kindness or empathy specifically. And the clip you're going to hear is them talking about a crisis of apathy. I hope you enjoy this. It's just a couple of minutes. If you like it, go check out the entire episode. So, uh, Brian, do you think that we are in a crisis of apathy right now? Do you think that things are worse now in terms of our ability to be empathic as providers? Yes, I think we are. And, and you know, before I get to some of the reasons why I think we're in that, I love that you just said apathy. Because, you know, I asked a lot of people, what's the opposite of, you know, what's the opposite of, you know, the antonym of empathy? And, and, you know, people, you know, kindness, it's meanness, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it, but, but really it, uh, you know, I interviewed a whole group of, of experts in something called schadenfreude, you know, which is, which is taking pleasure in somebody else's pain. Right. You know, people who are devoted sports fans know a lot about, about schadenfreude, you know, right. You know, the, the, you know, the, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the, and the Boston Bruins, uh, have certainly experienced that, you know, the New York Yankees and the and the Boston Red Sox, right. uh, bitter oh, yeah. rivals that have experienced that. Well, Mina Sakara uh, from uh, the University of Pennsylvania, more recently at Harvard, she I interviewed her for a chapter on Schadenfreude, and I I actually didn't include it in the book because the book was too long. That'll be for another book, but but she was the first person to 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 make me aware that the opposite the antonym of empathy is apathy and and i'm with you you know we are certainly in a crisis of apathy uh, right now um, not just in healthcare but but in all walks of life and i think there are many reasons for that in no particular order speed i think that you know that presence that you're talking about takes time you know, and maybe it's 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 not a lot of time. It doesn't take you an hour of preparation to center yourself. 
um, if you if you submit yourself, if you kind of kind of you know uh, if you if you just let yourself experience uh, that sense of presence, it doesn't take an hour to reach that state. It's a letting go. It's not a it's not a grabbing on for dear life. But but I think a lot of us are feeling time pressure. Uh, we're overloaded with responsibilities. We're overloaded with tasks that are that are you know ultimately meaningless. Passwords, password changes, uh, procedures. There's constantly new procedures for everything. There's there's new rules about about taxes. There's new rules about citizenship. There's new rules about the road. There's new rules, of course, about medicine. You know, in in, in healthcare, I've got you know in the hospital, I've got five different passwords, and they're always changing. Do I remember them? And 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 you know, I'm I'm constantly feeling as if I'm running behind. So with every every time I I, I walk into a room, I'm apologizing for being late. That puts me in a one down position where I'm getting defensive. I already have a reason for being defensive in that in in that room. And and one of the most important things I learned about empathy is that you cannot be empathetic if you're self preoccupied. You can't. And I learned right. that from many different people, but it was intuitively obvious, and yet I, I didn't grasp just how often I was self-preoccupied, either with self-doubt about, about mistakes, about being late, about you know being inadequate here, inadequate there. And I'm not saying every health professional feels that way, but I think more feel that way than we want to admit. And I think a lot of us become health professionals because we feel a, a strong sense of shame for the mistakes that we make, and we want to become healers to kind of indemnify ourselves against future mistakes. It's an insurance policy. You know, if I'm a martyr in healthcare, yeah, then then please forgive me if I make a mistake, even though I won't be able to forgive myself. In that state of shame, uh, as Brene Brown has said, you know, you don't want to expose yourself to other people. You want to hide. In fact, you want to, you know, you, you, many people, when they've made their worst mistake, you know, in the emergency department or in the ICU or in the operating room, they wish that a big hole would open up in the earth and swallow them up. Right. And, and in that state of shame, it is impossible to empathize with others. You can't because, because you know, to use your imagination to put yourself in the place of the family that's now bereaved. Um, is just too much for people who are shame-based to bear. So those are some of the reasons, you know, we want to throw in a bit of social media and and what does social media do? It, it's not the social media that causes, uh, that causes us to become apathetic, uh, but it can sure help to desensitize us just because of the sheer volume of news that's coming into our feed every day. You can't help but be desensitized by the number of tragic things, awful things that, that, that we're exposed to, embarrassing things that, that don't involve us, but, but because they're brought to our feed, you know, our Facebook feed, our Twitter feed, our Instagram feed, they become important to us. We think they're important to us because they've been flashed in front of us as a headline. And, and, you know, I think it's no accident that we have higher rates of anxiety and self-preoccupation among uh, teenage uh, students and college students. And, and, you know, certainly smarter people than I have, have, have pinned the time, the tipping point for that to the time when more than 50% of the population owned smartphones so that they were constantly bombarded with these messages on a minute-to-minute -minute basis. 
Hey, Chris, before we go too much further, jump into this next segment of the podcast, I did want to uh, mention and thank uh, one of our sponsors, Influence Health. Uh, you know, they've got a consumer experience platform that, that covers several things. And correct me if I'm wrong, but we've we've talked about content management systems on this podcast. Yeah, we did. What about CRMs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we covered CRMs for sure. And then obviously each and every week we talk about digital marketing. So digital marketing systems, uh, you know, in one way, shape or form have probably been covered, right? That's right. Digital marketing systems. And I would say that we even talk about it in a way of uh, that overall digital consumer experience. Well, there you go. I, you know, I would, I would recommend for anybody interested in one of those topics uh, or anything else, they've also got some complimentary solutions on their website. But, but head over to their website, take a look at what they've got and what they're offering relative to CMS, CRM, digital marketing systems, kind of how all that is woven together in what they call their consumer experience platform. Find your way over to influencehealth.com. Reed, I love that show. Dr. V is just so smart and he has such great, interesting guests like this last one. So that's definitely one worth listening to. But you know who else is a great host? And he's relatively new, but he hit the charts hard and he's moving to the top fast, as Casey Kasem would say. And that's uh, Greg Matthews with the Data Point Podcast. I particularly love the topic of this show because it's about analytics within healthcare. Greg's podcast is really about the role of data and analytics to improve healthcare. He features topics that are trending in health data. He's attracted a, a large number of great, smart people to come onto his show to talk about some of the vision for how data can be used and applied in real life situations in healthcare to help improve patient experience, improve population health, and also improve provider experience while reducing costs. And and this show is just, I, I mean, it's only a couple episodes in and I'm, I'm just hooked. Of course, you and I can kind of see behind the curtain a little bit. So we know what guests are coming. Greg, much like Brian, we've known for some years, especially through the, the, the Mayo Clinic social media network. And so he's uh He's a great friend, a, a great resource, and has done a lot of research in the idea of uh, connectiveness online. It just has the making of a really, really cool show, and we look forward to seeing kind of what that's going to do in 2019. His second episode was one that I had to listen to a couple of times. It was entitled, Our Data Privacy and Access to Healthcare on a Collision Course. And it was a conversation with someone that we really hold in high esteem. And that's Jane Saracen Khan, who is a consultant and has worked and a health economist. She's worked across the, the world, really, on looking at how social and policy aspects of healthcare, how they're are influencing the e- economics of healthcare. So in this episode, they kind of break apart a Harris-Finn partner survey that showed that Americans are deeply concerned about both data privacy and access to healthcare. And the entire conversation is just really riveting, really interesting. So give it a listen. We were just talking about the really fascinating and overwhelming survey results indicating uh, the importance that Americans today are placing on data privacy, as well as access to health care. Now, I find it probably not coincidental that those two are at the top of the list, but I wonder if you can if we can talk a little bit about how those things may be related to one another. Mm-hmm. 
So I think people first think about the social network data uh, in terms of these Facebook stories that are getting so much press. And they're getting press on both Fox News and CNN. So mm. equal coverage uh, yes. on all sides of the political spectrum. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg's photos were in the front of the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, you know, in the last two days, because I, I, read, I read real newspapers um, to keep in touch with, with what's going on, because I, I have to. And so um, th- these are equal opportunity impacts here. The health privacy impacts people of all political persuasions, people of all ethnicities, um, and anyone who uses a credit card has their retail receipt scraped, too, beyond a social network. So I think they are related, although I don't think the consumer necessarily thinks about uh, them together uh, that is health data privacy uh, in the context of their social network privacy, unless they're already in a patient social network, say a member mm-hmm. of WeGo Health or in one of the health union groups or in patients like me. These sure. are patients who are very health data literate. And let's yeah. park that concept uh, in our parking lot for a minute because I want to come back to the issue of health data literacy. It's really okay. important. Because um, I, I believe the industry has a role to play here in educating folks ab- about that. Um, but in any case, um, I think the bottom, bottom, bottom line here is that people understand HIPAA generally. They go when they uh, partake um, in a doctor's appointment uh, every year. They've got to sign their HIPAA forms, sign yep. off on them, so their data can be shared uh, between their primary doctor or specialist and other parts of the health system. The challenge, and people understand that. I think in mm-hmm. in the main HIPAA around now for a couple of decades, but it was written before the era of mass EHR adoption, electronic health record adoption. Mm -hmm. And digital data uh, can move around much more liquidly than data in paper charts. Ironically, we want data to be liquid so that it can get into those amazing AI systems and help cure disease so our data can be matched up with other people's data and our data can go to providers so we can get a really smart second or third opinion opinion, um, et cetera. So it's not that consumers don't want data liquidity. The challenge becomes a lot of data, particularly that's, that's very important from our social determinants, our mood, our toileting issues, how we mm. track food, our activity, how we're sleeping, are we depressed on a particular day, are we not practicing safe sex, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm a public health person, so I'm going to talk about sex, drugs, and rock and roll along with you know vaccines and other things. That's um, what the show is all about, Chan, that, sex, yeah. drugs, and rock and roll. Uh, Exactly. Yeah. We, we, I mean, this is, this is our, this is life again, where we live, work, play. Um, HIPAA does not cover these transactions, these encounters that we're recording via our phones, uh, in retail receipts, via social media. These are digital dust that we all leave every single day if we are participating in any kind of digital life with a credit card, in a social network, or carrying our phones around with the GPS on. Yep. We know. And may I just mention the word Alexa? 
So um, she's always listening, as we know, for better or worse. So, I mean, the, the, the challenge is we want our data to go where we want it to go. We want it to be used for good. Most of us are data altruists when it comes to medical research. If we're really sick, we tend to want to share our data for research. That data has been out there for a while. Um, But uh, I think in this um, duality of data privacy and healthcare access for all that comes out of the Finn Partners Harris survey, we now have this intertwining relationship where we have to ask ourselves, is HIPAA enough? Greg's a great guy, and I think us seeing <laughs> seeing what's ahead, I, I would encourage you to tune in, subscribe. That's going to be a great show as, as we move forward. Uh, you know, we do want to call attention to a couple of other shows on the network that are a bit different than the others. Uh, there are a couple of shows out there that we have gone and partnered with some other organizations on to create the content that you hear. The first one is a, is a show called That's What They Said. It's a partnership with Binary Fountain on reputation management, transparency, those types of things. And so not just about hospitals, but health systems, physician practices, et cetera. And, uh, you know, they're able to bring some really interesting folks to the table and uh, something that we uh, uh, we feel there's some really value in. Again, check that one out. It's on the website. Yeah, another one we did in partnership with another organization is called the Forum Quorum. And that's in partnership with the Forum for Healthcare Strategists. We know Judy and, and all the people at the Forum uh, for Healthcare Strategists for a long time. And she's the one who's responsible for the annual conference that we do in, in the kind of the springtime that we go to, the Healthcare Physicians and Marketing Strategies Summit. And this is an audio series that really shows a little bit more about some of the other things that they do, because really the Forum for Healthcare Strategists is committed to helping hospitals and healthcare professionals grow themselves within this industry. And that's through learning a little bit more about different trends and, and th- use cases that are happening in the industry or talking to some of the smart experts. We've done a couple of shows with them so far, and we have a, wh- a whole schedule of shows for next year uh, set up. I definitely encourage you guys to go out to the website, and give them a listen, give them a subscribe, because there's a lot more coming here too. Okay, Reed, look at this. We're getting to the end of our clip show, and for all of everybody listening in, they probably heard a great sampler platter of all the things that the Touchpoint Media Network does. So did that taste good to you? Absolutely. I'm still thinking about the Chili's sampler platter, but in any case, <laughs> um, no, this, this is great. And, and hopefully this was of value to, to you, the listener. Uh, we think a lot of these show hosts and the time and effort and energy they put into these shows, the guests they bring on, uh, we certainly wouldn't have them as part of the network if we didn't think it uh, brought value. And we can see certainly that they're smart folks. And you can find out more about all their shows on our website, the Touchpoint at touchpoint.health. Uh, that's where you can find you know all of our shows. It's very clear, easy. You can navigate in, get a good sampling of all the different shows. Some of them are just starting out, like we mentioned. Others have been here for quite a while now and are well up into the double digits of episodes. And there's great content all around. So I encourage you to jump out there, explore a little bit. And if you like them, subscribe to them wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. 
So, uh, you know, 2019 is going to be a fun one. We do have, uh, I'll tease this just a little bit, but uh, we do have a couple of more shows in the works. Excited to talk more about that in the new year, but uh, stay tuned. We have a few more. If you have something you'd like to hear, we'd love to hear from you. I, you know, we're, we're honestly always looking for something good to publish, promote. Well, we really appreciate everybody listening into this show as well. This is episode 99. And next week, Reed, we're looking forward to our, I guess, our annual now year in review slash award show, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'll be, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. It'll be a lot of fun. And we've already kind of been working on that and know a little bit about what's going to happen. So, so we typically end all of these shows with a recommendation. And so we thought we'd do something a little bit different for those that listen or have been to the website. You may have noticed we're leaving out a show we haven't talked about yet. Uh, we thought we'd leave it for our recommendation because of what it is. And so we, we do have a show called Gear and Review. Uh, that myself and uh, our partner Bobby Ratu host. Bobby's the one that does the Intersection podcast. Bobby, I, I think I mentioned earlier, was been in helicopters over Katrina, carried cameras on her shoulder for years, and so he's our videographer, photographer in resident, uh, and gets asked a lot about the gear that he uses. And so he and I started a show where it's me not knowing anything and him knowing everything. Um, and so we talk about different things. And so this particular episode, which I'll leave you with for um, uh, kind of our last clip, is going to be a good one. One thing I'm going to say, Reed, is you pretend that you're not a gearhead, but you kind of are a gearhead. <laughs> and you can hear it when it comes through in the show. I love to listen to the show because, I, you know, I don't need all this technology, but I kind of envision what it would be like for me to have a big gear bag like you guys do that you cart around and, and use. It's a fun show to listen to. It's definitely worth 15 minutes an episode, probably. Yeah, it comes out weekly. It's about 15 minutes long. And we it's usually a piece of gear. I mean, we're, we're, we're reviewing cameras and drones and tripods and I, everything you can think of. This particular episode, however, is on media storage. Uh, Chris, you and I, you know, for the, for the most part, can get away with things like Google Docs and maybe the built-in storage on your laptop or iPad or whatever it may be. But but Bobby and our folks actually create a lot of content or putting away a lot of terabytes. And so anyway, he's talking about how he does that and, and what he uses specifically, whether that uh, relate to, you know, not just high definition, but 4K and some others. And so I encourage you to listen to this clip. I think it's I think it's kind of cool. And it's a fun little show that we do each week that uh, we'd certainly love the support on. Now, before we get out of here for the last time in 2018, that over there in the snowy northern Minnesota nights <laughs> is, uh, is Chris Boyer, and I'm Reed Smith, and we certainly appreciate your support. Without further ado, here's Gear and Review. You guys recording in uh, 4K and otherwise are going through quite a few terabytes every year, I would assume. Yes, we. It is the biggest fundamental thing that we do is deal with storage. I mean, if you're in a production or photography business and you're not thinking about how you store content, then you're about to probably crash your business, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's pretty good stuff. Um, you know, it's the biggest thing that we talk about from a budgeting standpoint, honestly. It's a big thing we talk about that determines workflow. Mm -hmm. It 
It's something that um, even dictates what cards we use uh, inside the cameras. It even dictates um, travel requirements, what drives we're going to take, what we're going to do. Is it a longstanding client or is this a one-off deal? You know, and to give you a little bit of history so we can get to this point, um, for many years, the, the content wasn't big enough to have to have a lot of drives, right? We were recording and uh, when I first started working for myself, I was using an HDV camera, a high definition digital video camera that the amount of storage it needed for an HD image was not comparable to a true raw HD image for my clients. Mm -hmm. And so I could get a year into a four terabyte drive. I could probably get two years into about, well, three years. I've got three years of storage or four, I think, no, actually four years of storage on a 10 terabyte drive. And that doesn't happen today. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about number one, how we justify the the way that we do things with storage, some of the drives that we use based on workflows, and then just ask our listeners, how are they doing it? Because we know we've learned through, um, uh, through uh, you know the you know the growing pains, and we would love to hear from other professionals, and also we'd love to hear from people that work in large companies that part of the you know the audiovisual, video production, photography production area of how they're managing their story. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.